What's up, FA Nation? Uh, it's Matt Sells. I'm leading off again, and that means one thing. We are joined by Edward Rouse this week because uh, Dan Malin has an interesting work situation that popped up. Uh, he may or may not, I don't know, there's some sort of strike forming or something. So it's a crazy situation down there in Atlanta. But uh, we are joined by Edward Rouse to preview the Texas race and talk all things NASCAR this week. So what's up, Mr. Rouse? Hey, how's it going? A new week, a new new playoff setting, the top eight. I wish uh, Mr. Malin the best of luck in the ATL. I know uh, he's dealing with some strike stuff, and who knows how that's going to work out, but it, he uh, sent me a message the other day and said, hey, man, I don't know what's going on, but you need to s- just come in for me. And I said, dude, I got your back, Malin. I got your back. So I'm here, and I wish him the best. And uh, Texas, right? You're I know Texas is your favorite race of the year <laughs> every time it comes to the schedule. So, uh, yeah, let's uh, let's get going here. Um, yeah, Texas. Uh, well, before we dive into Texas, as you deemed it my favorite race of the year, but not really. Um, <laughs> I've actually had the pleasure of seeing a race there. It's actually a pretty fun track to watch a race at, but, like, doesn't really translate to TV. Um but let's recap a little bit about the craziness that happened at the Roval last week. Because I'm, I'm I'm all in. Let's do it. The Roval always brings some amount of chaos and unknown to the playoffs, right? That's why it's been an elimination race the last two years. It's phenomenal in that spot, uh, even though the drivers have now had three years on it with the same layout. Still brings pure chaos. The turtles seem to break everybody's car at some point. <laughs> um, I think Brad Keselowski is still spinning. He spun yeah. like four different times. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we had retribution paid and then instant karma. <laughs> right. Should we so, talk about that? Should we talk about the elephant in the room? We should because NASCAR apparently had a team had a talk yes. with the people involved and talked mm-hmm. with them for from what i'm hearing about 40 minutes they did all the talking and basically told them in no uncertain terms this has to be over if it's not you get severe penalties which um, which which by the way okay well spoiler alert we're talking about harvick and and yes and elliot but yeah. um why let it happen let the drama happen people are going to watch a texas race not because of the playoffs. They're going to watch it because of it, but they're like, oh, retributions. But I understand people can't get hurt, right? Because like they, it yeah. was obvious. It was obvious that he was trying to put him into the wall, and he did. Like he, It was one of the most obvious things I've ever seen in my life. Like When it happened live, I went, oh, that was totally on purpose. And, uh, you know, karma happened, and then he, he wrecked out, and uh, Harvick's out. Harvick's not my favorite of human beings in nascar and i've let that known in previous podcasts but why not not the favorite of the charlotte crowd either because they were (laughs) uproarious with their cheering when he ran into the turn one wall i wonder why when he's in a feud with the most favorite driver in nascar though yeah i mean it's not the first time that we've seen a driver get like denny hamlin got flat out booed at his home state track of martinville (laughs) a couple of years ago when he dumped Chase Elliott going into turn one late in a restart yeah, in a similar, the, like, he's knockout. The, he, he's the golden boy. If you knock him out, you're going to get booed. That's just kind of how it's Right. How it I think NASCAR wants to put it into it until next year because now Harvick is out, and so now it's only going to mess up championship chances 
for one of the drivers, right? We've seen NASCAR step in with this previously um, at at the Roval, just to go for full circle. A few weeks before that, there was Bristol, right? Chase Elliott was racing Kevin Harvick hard. Kevin Harvick pulled a Kevin Harvick move and cut down Chase Elliott's tire, which put him three laps down and ostensibly ended Elliott's chance to have a win at Bristol, which we know he can do. Um, Mm -hmm. And so Elliott then passive-aggressively pulled in front of (laughs) Harvick and sat there and blocked him for the last several laps of the race, which... Um, you know, Harvick then threw a hissy fit about a 25-year-old being more mature than the 45-year-old in the fight. With so Harvick waited until the perfect time and dumped him in in the infield of the Roval. And then Chase Elliott got on the radio and in no uncertain terms said that they were going hunting for the four car. And they were <laughs> um, he didn't need to, though. He didn't need to. He hunted himself. He didn't need to. <laughs> He didn't need to, but eventually they did get one behind the other, and Harvick basically peed himself uh, <laughs> and missed the turn and knocked himself out of the playoffs. And Ironically the- enough, with his helmet on once again. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So I'm glad that Harvick is safe because he did hit concrete. He didn't hit the tire barrier. Car did catch fire, so glad he was okay. But um, I'd be lying if I wasn't. You know, joining the crowd there in Charlotte <laughs> with the instant karma uh, yeah, celebration. Yeah. So, you know, uh, several years ago, you had a situation between Joey Logano and Matt Kenseth in which, mm-hmm. um, you know, Kenseth flat out dumped Logano at Martinsville and Kenseth was no longer in the run for the championship and was several laps down at that point and flat dumped him. They don't want a situation like that arising. So that's why I think NASCAR stepped in. Um that being said, it did that race did knock out two Hendrick cars from from the playoffs. So it did, yes. Uh it knocked out Bowman and Byron, who were basically in must-win situations um in that race. Obviously, another Hendrick driver won Kyle Larson, which was phenomenal because that guy had all sorts of engine issues. They replaced oh, the belt mid-race. Yeah. Uh <laughs> that's that's a heck of a win it was Uh, it it was actually um i'm not a big larson fan as i've also said on this show before um but it was very impressive for him in the road course to do what he did and uh like i was all blaney he was dominating in the beginning you know me you know mom's for blaney and uh i mean he's been kind of lower uh in the first couple rounds in the playoffs and that kind of showed hey guys i'm still here i'm kyle larson and i'm the points leader and i'm gonna win this thing and that kind of made me think okay maybe he is with that win because that was a big win and as far as chase elliott too last year during this time he was dominating races Mm -hmm. he was like he was like he made his i'm chase elliott and i'm here and this year in the playoffs he's just not doing that so uh, I don't know. I, I kind of want the Harvick Chase Elliott thing to still go only because as a watcher, not a fantasy player. Sorry, people. I kind of want to see it, but I understand why NASCAR stepped in. But you got to kind of let him go a little bit, like make it more interesting. But I yeah, know. I mean, you know, they could just disobey NASCAR and deal with the consequences. I mean, there's no reason for Chase Elliott to go after Kevin Harvick, right? It's only I mean, going to be Harvick going after 
chase for retribution and to end his title hopes the same way that he probably feels yeah. that you know him blocking that Elliot blocking him at Bristol ended his title hopes right so yeah, yeah. I mean and they, and then Harvick becomes the most hated person in NASCAR <laughs> if he does that uh, even though, even though yeah even though I don't think it's going to happen that Chase Elliott has a I mean he has a chance to win obviously if he makes it if he wins one of these next three three races and makes the the top four anyone can win right, right. but I, I think he, his chances are lesser than the other what six drivers ahead of him but yeah i mean come on it, it's fun to watch though it's just fun to watch it is fun to watch so with that um let's go ahead and turn our attention to texas um, this is the only points-paying race we get at Texas this year, which I'm kind of celebrating because having two points-paying races at Texas uh, a year is a little on the boring side for me. So um, they did <laughs> I thought race this is your here. favorite race of the year. They did race here at the All-Star Race. Um, that was a slightly different package on the cars, so not really anything we can really take from that. Um, the track breakdown is up at DFS Alarm. Um, you know, all sorts of strategy tidbits facts all sorts of the uh you know the same good stuff you've come to expect each week from those um tracks we can compare texas to we can compare it to uh charlotte is a pretty good ringer for texas they're the same shape uh quad oval so to speak uh atlanta a little bit although tire wear is not nearly the problem at texas that it is at atlanta um and, you know, you can t- sprinkle in there some Las Vegas and some Kansas as well. Those those tracks um, tend to do pretty well. They are trying a new thing at Texas this year. They are trying resin on the track instead of PJ1. Um, so we can all expect Dale Earnhardt Jr. to be pretty happy about that because he's been <laughs> advocating for the use of resin uh, instead of PJ1 for like a year and a half now. Um It'll change a little bit how the track drives. It's not going to be like, you know, exactly the same as giving a bona fide second racing lane whenever it warms up. But the resin will help some with that. Uh, they used it in Michigan earlier this year. Um, they've used it a couple other places too. So, yeah, we'll we'll see um, how it goes but yeah the winner of this race if they are a playoff driver automatically clinches the spot in the championship four um love it this is not to say that we're gonna see a playoff driver win because this playoffs we've seen a couple of guys outside of the playoffs win Uh, but the likelihood is that we'll probably see a playoff guy win so with that we can uh turn our attention i guess a little bit to strategy and some some drivers uh, that we're either liking or not liking this week. Um, but, the, you know, the main strategy here, it's been a little while since we've had an intermediate. This is really only the second intermediate track in the playoffs. Isn't that crazy? It's pretty nuts when I thought about it. <laughs> yeah. Like, we're, we're Vegas in the top eight. is the only other one. <laughs> yeah, we're in the top eight, and there's only been one other than this. It's I've been like, what? But, hey, yeah. it's, ma- it's made a re- – I'm, I'm not going to lie. The playoffs have been really great to watch. But fantasy has drove me nuts. But I think now we're back to like a normal thing in Texas where we could actually kind of do a good strategy and get something going where it's not like a, a, a dart throw. So let's go. Let's go. Let's make some uh, let's make some dreams happen for some people out there. 
And this is this is a longer intermediate race too. It's 500 miles, so it's 334 laps around Texas. It's going to be kind of a long race on Sunday. Um, but that also means that we can focus on laps led here because yes, in of three of the last five races here, we've seen one driver lead over 100 laps. Um, they don't always win it, but they lead more than 100 laps. So if you got one driver leading more than a third of the laps in a race, we're going to call that dominators. Yep. Um, but it is one that is lower on the each week I do the track breakdown. I kind of try to tell you the percentage of top 10 finishers that started outside the top 12 in the last five races. Only 34% of the last mm. of, of the top 10 finishers in the last five races have started outside the top 12. And the playoff drivers are starting one through eight. Right. So it's going to be one where track position is king. It's going to be a lot of strategy based on where they are on the track at the time that they're going to pit or caution comes out or stage ends, um, whatnot. So there, you know, there is position differential you can get here. But in general, I w- it's not a race where you go, okay, well, anybody starting outside the top 30 is a massive position differential guy because that's generally not the way it works. Great, I agree um, with that. Uh, do you know, on top of hand, maybe not like the um, average amount of cautions at Texas? Because from watching, from a, I don't feel like there's that many in Texas. Yeah, typically, especially in this package, there have not been yeah. that many uh, cautions uh, at Texas. I can tell you here momentarily. Let me go ahead and go to uh, RacingReference.info because they will have go. all sorts of. Yeah. Fun little stats there. Let's make sure we click on Texas Motor Speedway, not Texas World Speedway. <laughs> Two different tracks entirely there. Yes. Um, so let's see. In terms of cautions in the Cup Series. It's a big stat right here. This is a really big stat right here. I'm, there's been a I decent amount in the last, you know, going back to, let's go back to 2017 because it was repaved in 2017. Mm-hmm. So anything prior to that doesn't necessarily matter. We start off with 8, 8, 8, 8, okay. 5, 11, 10, and 8. Okay, so around 8, right? Now, keep in <laughs> mind the last, like, yeah, about 8. But keep in mind that in the last you know, four or five of those races, there's been stage breaks and those count as cautions. These aren't incident cautions. These are total Correct. cautions. So there's, so, so, so there's four already on the table. No, three already, already on the table, right? The competition and the two stages. Right. So there's yeah. three of those already slated. So yeah. that tells you there's like five. Which is not a lot. Of, yeah. And generally speaking, they've been like one car, like a guy blows a tire and Correct. gets up yeah. to the wall. Right, because yeah. we're back to the intermediate. So if a guy hits a wall, you'll see a caution thrown as opposed to Don't Brad Kozlowski spins in front of the whole damn field. <laughs> a caution yeah. last week once. Um, so that is Man. something to keep in mind. Um, you know, a couple of those times they've been thrown for Kyle Larson's car catching fire. It's um, <laughs> kind of what he's been known for. He's either going to finish really highly or he's going to catch fire. No, he'll catch fire and still win. That's what he does. That's what it's <laughs> possible now that, that you know now that he's out of the Ganassi stuff. That now, yeah, the Hendrick stuff will keep him from catching fire, uh, like physically from catching fire. He might, you know, 
be that fast on the track, but at least the car won't actually catch fire. Um, but uh, circling back to Kevin Harvick, because he's the most expensive guy on DraftKings this week. He is. And, and, and you were just talking <laughs> about, too, point differential may not matter as, as much here. I mean, I mean, we're going to talk about FanDuel. He's a lot cheaper on FanDuel, but DraftKings, number one, they're, they, they're literally pricing him up for point differential. You have a hothead who's upset, who's pissed, who's racing in this race. How do you feel about Kevin Harvick at the most expensive? And do you actually pay up for him this week or not? So that was my first question as soon as I opened the DraftKings lobby this week. Because I was like, like, okay, so now we're baiting the hook here with Kevin Harvick, right? Because when's the last time we saw Kevin Harvick be the most expensive guy? Last year, halfway through the season. Yeah, right? It was like following (laughs) nine wins last year. He was the most expensive dude on, on DK. So he is starting 24th. He is very good at Texas. He has three top fives in the last five races here. He's got a win. His average finish is 6.2, which is the best in the field. Um, However, this is not the Kevin Harvick that put up those numbers. That's the problem with this, right? Kevin Harvick has not been that Kevin Harvick all year. Otherwise, he wouldn't have just crapped his pants and exited the playoffs. Well, so, well, question for you, actually, real quick, is what has been his average start during that time? Um, so his average start during that time uh, is about where he finishes, actually, because he has he's averaging 0.4 spots of PD. So he's okay. his average start is 6.6. His average finish is 6.2. So now we're talking about starting 24th at the most expensive. Is he not playable at that point? <laughs> I think he's playable. At that price? So the question is, what does he have to do to hit value, right? Because we're, we're bringing the value conversation back this week. Because yeah. the road courses, it doesn't really matter, right? So at 10-9, he's got to hit, what, 54 DK points? Mm-hmm. Right? 54 and a half DK points? So if he's starting 24th, he comes in with 18 points so if he needs 54 and a half let's say he gets to fifth that's 39 <laughs> points plus okay. 19 you're, you're, come on 58 so let's go top 10 that's 34 points plus another 14 is 48 that doesn't get him there no nah, man he's not playable i'm he's telling gotta you get to like sixth he's got to finish sixth or better basically not playable I'm going to say it right now of of like, you know, fastest laps or whatever. Not playable on DraftKings. Just at 10, nine. Think of the the lineups you could do without that price. Like they're literally forcing you or like telling you to play the PD. And it's just not plausible in my mind to even play him. I'm I'm not even going to touch Kevin Harvick this week. You may, you may have a reason, but I'm not. You can sprinkle him into if you're doing like fifteen G- or twenty GPP GPP, builds, yeah. You can get him into a few because let's face it, it's Kevin Harvick, it's Texas. Maybe he's pissed enough to just go out there and smoke people, even though it doesn't matter, right? Yeah. But he hasn't shown that all year. Yeah. So it's hard to it's hard to trust. Um 
With that being said, most likely the guy who wins the big DK race will have him in his lineup. But, you know, that's just the way it works. But Yeah, I'm that's not usually the way it works, but I'm not banking on that. Yeah. Um, it's pretty hard. But on FanDuel, he's like the eighth most expensive dude. He's basically average price. FanDuel, um, yeah, you play him. But on DraftKings, I'm staying away completely. Right. Yeah. So, um, you know, Kyle Larson, we touched on him a little bit, you know, making the joke that his – He's either going to finish well or catch fire. I don't think he's going to catch fire because the equipment's far better this time. Um, he did win the million-dollar check at the All-Star Race here uh, mm-hmm. this summer. So, guy knows how to wheel it around this track. Um, even when the car was catching fire, he was doing pretty well in those races, typically. Um, so, you know, he's he's he's... In another tricky spot, though, because he's on the pole, right? So yeah. you're going to need laps led from him and to have any semblance of value. Okay. 10-9 for Harvick, 10-5 for Larson, and laps led, and an opportunity to be in the top five, top ten. Without PD, I mean, Kyle Larson has to be a better play than Harvick at that point. And I think Kyle Larson may be probably maybe the highest owned on DraftKings just because of the so. name and yeah, laps led the way that the way that Texas is. Uh, I, I want to say he's going to be, I mean, he certainly could be in GPPs. I don't think that's the case in cash. Oh, right? sorry. Remember everyone. I'm a GPP only NASCAR player, right? So that's, I, I mean, a lot of people are, there's a lot of people who made the argument that you almost, never want to play cash because anything can happen and that's true but there are strategies. i've never said that i've never said that ever well not you but there are people <laughs> out there that, that have said just don't ever play no. cash at nascar i'm um, lying i've said that many of times so for gpps i could see larson being a very popular play for cash mm-hmm. you can't play him in cash because no. you've got no pd and the chance that you know, you can make an argument that maybe he goes out there and leads the first 25 or 30 laps until the comp caution. And then for some reason, pit strategy or adjustments or whatever, he doesn't lead again for a while. And then you've just thrown out your best advantage with Larson. So until he wins at the end, like he always does, he very could, he very well could win, but here's the problem. If he wins and only leads like 35 laps, then you're not getting... Yeah, no, I get that. Yeah. Right, so he's a GPP guy. Um, that being said, you want to talk about, I think, in actuality, a guy who could be very, very highly played is your favorite driver. Yeah, yeah. Uh, looking at it right now, he may be the... Uh the highest owned in both cash and GPP. And that's uh, hashtag moms for Blaney. Um, I mean, 9,500 on DK. That's a good uh, cash value right there. Um, starting fourth, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Very good history at this track as well. He Going actually has last... the highest average driver yeah. rating in the last five races yeah. here. Yeah. This is his chance. Um, as a Blaney fan, non uh, DFS, uh, by the way, Dodgers just took the lead. Um, Non-DFS, yeah, uh, as, we're, as we're recording this, um, this is his best chance to make the Final Four. I think he has a chance to win this race, and he may be the, the highest. Though, now that I look at it, um, 
I may do a, a Larson Blaney stack and go with some cheaper guys we'll talk about later. But, um, I mean, his history at this track is very good. He loves Texas. Um, man, his last five, he's been in the top 10, four of the five times. He started fourth. Uh, he's been good all playoffs, really. Um, all the way up there. I want to ask you how you feel about him because everyone knows how I feel about him. Uh, is he uh, number one in the playbook this week? Um, he'll be up there in the rankings for sure. Um, can't guarantee he's number one just yet. Intermediate um, track. He's been the best Penske driver, by the way. All three Penske drivers in the top eight. The best Penske driver in the package in the intermediate tracks. I mean, he has a good chance here. Yeah, for sure. And like we said, he's got the best average driver rating, um, which is a pretty good indication that he's really good here all around. Um, he's got one of the highest top 15 rates. He's second in laps led per race behind Kevin Harvick. Um, and he's second in fastest laps per race behind Kevin Harvick. So, um, yeah, I mean, starting fourth, I think he could be a little bit um, you know, I think he's going to be popular, but at the same time, I think in GPPs, he could be a little bit sneaky given that, you know, people are going to be focused on, you know, Larson on the pole mm-hmm. or Hamlin's been really good here mm-hmm. starting yeah, we'll second. Um, you've also got, you know, Chase Elliott is sixth, so he's a little bit behind uh, Blaney in terms of starting order. So, but, yeah, I would say that out of the Penske cars, Blaney's easily my favorite play this week between those three. And it's oh. not even really close. Uh, let me ask you about Kyle Busch this week because it's very interesting. Because isn't his uh, uh, crew chief suspended, right? Uh, I believe so. So Kyle Busch has a new crew chief this week. Well, not a new one, but uh, uh, interim, yeah, I guess. Yeah, but he's also been really good at this course. Um, so how do you feel about Kyle Busch, even with that situation going on with that he has? Man, it's been so hard to peg Kyle Busch this entire season. The the last two seasons. The last two seasons. Yeah, there have been weeks where I'm like, okay, this is it for Busch. Like, this is where we're on him. He's going to smoke people this week. And then he goes up and goes backwards. And then there's weeks where you're like, this isn't his track. The starting spot's too high. I don't trust he can lead laps. And bam, he goes out there and leads like 100 freaking laps. Um, I So I don't know what to do with Kyle Busch this week in all He's honesty. also been really good at this course. He's been really, he's just been like Blaney. He's almost Texas. identical to Blaney. Yeah. Um, he's been very good at Texas. And like you said, his his numbers are very close. Um, they're starting next to each other. So I might take a bit of a discount there for Blaney on both sites, just a little bit. If we're going to, you know, make a, uh, you know, split hairs here, but I'm still going to play Kyle Bush. Cause let's face it. If he can just show up this week and make the championship in a season where nobody's been talking about Kyle Busch being a championship contender. Right, right, right. 
that's the ultimate troll job for a guy like Kyle Busch, right? Now, keep in mind, we do have Kansas up next week, and who won at Kansas earlier this year? That would be Kyle Busch. Yep. So, you know, he's got a couple of, of chances here to punch his ticket, but to do it in a week where his crew chief isn't even at the track and then give his crew chief, like, three weeks to plan for Phoenix could be – he's a sneaky he's a sneaky GPP play for sure. Um, Here, let me – let, let me run through some guys real quick of the playoff drivers, and you tell me how you feel about him. Last year, this guy was great all year and then sucked in the playoffs. This year, he was not good all year, and he's been kind of almost dominating the playoffs. Denny Hamlin, at the same price as Kyle Busch. Do you play Hamlin this week? In what format do you play him? Well, so here's the question. Does the trend continue with Hamlin? Because he's won the first race of each of the last two rounds. Exactly. Right, so do we think that he can win the third race in the playoffs? It's intermediate though, and he hasn't been good at intermediate tracks this year. He hasn't been, that's true, but he did win at Vegas. Yeah, well, okay. Yeah, but so the only other intermediate in the playoffs he won at. Every once in a while I go to Vegas and I win too. Well, that's true. That's true. It was. It was, by the way, his first ever career win at Vegas. Uh, I told some of you folks to bet a bit plus 900. Uh, oh. Plus 700? Plus 700. Um, I think he's GPP this yeah, week. Yeah, I, I agree. If there's I any that. way that you can play Hamlin in cash, he's starting second. His history here is such where he has won, but he hasn't exactly looked dominant doing, doing it. it which is basically the story of his entire season right he yeah. either looks dominant and doesn't win or wins and doesn't look dominant that's um, yep so in a, in a nutshell so yeah i think he's gpp playable i don't think he can play him in cash because he's starting p2 all right uh chase elliott does he get knocked out by uh kevin harvick or i mean is he just done for the playoffs and you're not touching him uh, I think I don't think Kevin Harvick's going to cause him a problem. I think Kevin Harvick will uh, cede to NASCAR's wishes and start it back up again next year. I think with his helmet on, with his helmet on. Yeah, I think it's going to be a pretty strong feud to watch next year. Uh, but I don't think Harvick's going to do anything. Um, but, this but you, year. are you playing Chase Elliott in any lineups? <sighs> Man, like I, I want to right because it's Chase Elliott and they're a Hendrick car and Hendrick cars have been good basically mm-hmm. everywhere all year. But Elliott hasn't led laps. He hasn't really been. He hasn't looked good this year. He at hasn't all. been yeah. super fast. He's just been getting consistent finishes, which yes, has gotten Denny Hamlin this far. Um, but for DFS purposes. I don't know that that's enough for me nope, right now. I agree. With, with that price, 10-1 and the last and five races, he's only finished in the top 10 once at Texas. Yeah, not. I'm not I'm not touching him like Harvick. I'm kind of leaving those guys like out kind of in yeah, my builds. Yeah, may sprinkle him into a lineup or so, but I don't think like – that's not to say that he can't go out and win because he can. This is just a matter of – 
is the value there DFS wise to play him? And I don't know that it is. Even it, I don't think it is either. I mean, like I said, the guy who wins the the 50k may have him in there, but I doubt it. It's going to be tough for me to to play him. Uh, what about a guy that nobody's talking about who's silently just kind of in there? Uh, the bearded bassmaster Martin Truex Jr. I mean, there's a reason nobody's talking about him, right? Like they haven't, <laughs> they haven't been all that convincing, like no. all year, right? Yeah, but he's still there. He's still there, and he's still going to make a a play. And and he's always okay. GPP, you got to put him in one lineup because he's going to be so low owned that if he does win the thing, you're going to win a lot of money. Yeah, you like, don't that's... have leverage on the field. Yeah, yeah, but in cash, you're not playing. Um, no, I would I would say that that's a pretty good summation of true. I mean, look, last year obviously. In the earlier this year, we would just he was a plug and play at a mile and a half. That not, not this year. That nope. At this point, because they just haven't shown that they have figured out mile and a half. That, that's not to say he yeah. hasn't been consistent. He has, but consistency and getting dominator points are two different things, and we need him to get dominator points at the price he's at. And can he do nope. it? Sure. Yeah. Do we believe that he will? I don't think so. So if you're playing 10 GPPs, put him in one mm-hmm. and um, and just hope that he wins the thing. And then you could probably win money because he's going to be really low owned. Uh, the other two Penske drivers in the playoffs, Joey Logano, Brad Keselowski. I think Keselowski is uh, kind of in it to not win it. He's just kind of like floating along, waiting for next year. Um, hasn't looked good at all. Uh, in the playoffs. I don't know how he's still here, to be honest, <laughs> but he's still here. <laughs> but yeah, Joey Logano, be, I think, is a, is a good play this week, though. I mean, to be quite frank, yeah, I, I don't know how Kozlowski continues to manage to hang into the playoffs, right? He, like, yeah. he hasn't won a race in a very, <laughs> in a while. I don't know how he's still in the play. I, 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 like, I'm looking at the points going, how? Like, he's he was spinning around. He was doing merry-go-round. He's at the teacups at Disneyland last week. He's he's just not. How is he still in the playoffs? I have no points is a crazy thing in NASCAR. I don't know how he's still in it. I I'm not touching him. I don't think he's mentally in it. Um, I'm not touching him. But Joey Logano is a very interesting play for me this week. Um, do you like yeah, Joey Logano? I, w- I would say that I'm more on Logano by a ways than Kislowski. I mean, Logano's got a very good track history here. He's got four top tens in the last five races. Three of those are top fives. Um, he's got the best, second best, second best top 15 rate, um, of anybody in the field this week, which is pretty impressive in a place where track position matters so much. Um, you know, he's fourth in driver average. He's one of only four guys over a hundred in driver rating. Um, so yeah, I would say that Logano is in play for me, um, I would yeah. say I'm okay with him even in cash. Yeah, I agree. Like 9,100, because if he can just I, hold his spot, I think he's fine. I think doing a Logano Blaney stack in both GPP and cash could be very beneficial because they're teammates. They're going to be racing with each other. And Logano has shown even this year to help Blaney out as well and, and the same the other way. And uh, I kind of like that little teammate stack without Kozlowski because I don't think he's part of the team anymore, nope. if you know what I mean. But, I mean, I think a Logano Blaney stack in both cash and GPP can be very beneficial. So we covered all the playoff guys, right? Yep. Now let's go for the rest of the field here. 
I know I think we're, a guy that we're going long, but we're gonna we're gonna make it happen. Who, who I don't do you think got? anybody's talking about Kurt if Busch? If you say Eric Jones, I swear to God. No, I'm gonna go. With Kurt <laughs> I'm kidding. We'll talk about that later. Who do you got? Kurt Busch. Kurt Busch. I don't think anybody's okay. talking about Kurt Busch. Does he have a car next year at at Jordan Racing? Uh, so that's interesting because the deal for the charter seemed to have fallen through. It did. At front row. Like they were apparently getting it from front row motorsports. And at the last minute, front row stopped talking to them, apparently. Um, which I mean, I guess makes sense. Like Michael McDowell's been pretty decent this year, so like you've got the funding to keep running two cars, but then again, from a strategy perspective, I don't know why 23XI didn't just go talk to, like, Spire Motorsports, who has, like, I don't know, f- these freaking charters coming out the wazoo over here. Like, every time I hear about, oh, so-and-so got a charter from Spire, but they still have three left. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like, Spire apparently owns everybody's charters. I don't know. But they've got a couple left. Um, I would talk to them. Rick Ware, probably you could convince him to stop running three POS cars every week and just run two POS cars every week. Um, so I don't know. I would assume that, uh, that the deal was signed and they've announced Kurt Busch regardless of if there's a charter. But that would make things interesting because if there's no charter for Kurt Busch, he has to get in on qualifying time. Which he, which he will. Which he will, right? Yeah. Like, the 23XI cars have been fast. It's Kurt Busch. He's pretty quick. But what makes him intriguing this week for me is that he's starting 17th, and in the last five races, he's finished in the top 10 all five times here. Yep. PD is there. The, the price is there. 8700 on both sides for Kurt Busch. Yeah. Um, I love him this week, too. You can easily get him in both GPP and cash. I think he's viable for both. Yep. Um, and, uh, you know, he's... Uh, and keep in mind, he did look really good at Atlanta, which, yes, the tire wear is a little different, but the track shape is the same. It's basically a sister track to Texas. So he, You know who else looked really good in Atlanta earlier this year? That was Ryan Blaney. But, yeah, we're, we're not going to go there. <laughs> Kurt, Kurt Bush, we love... Um, going back to some other players, or I'm sorry, racers, sorry. And, and by the way, when I'm on the podcast, I'm really sorry because we get to like nerd out on NASCAR. It's not always about DFS. We're talking about what's actually going on in NASCAR. So hopefully some of you guys who love NASCAR uh, enjoy our conversations. We're actually talking about what's going on in NASCAR. Um, with that being said, another person who uh, is out of a ride at the moment, Matt DiBenedetto. Yep. Um, how do you feel about him this week? 7,400 and 7,500. He's very, uh, kind of evenly owned on both sides. Are you playing him at all or, or no? So it's the starting spot for me. Yeah. Right. I mean, 13th, I think is a tad high. Now we've seen him be good at mile and a half tracks this year. Surprisingly, the 21 team has been better at them. That being said, guys average finish here in the last five races is 20.6, right? So again, it's been a mixed match of, of equipment last year in this race. He started 14th and finished eighth, which is pretty impressive. Pretty decent, but so 
I do don't know not how a, you take oh, into sorry, account ahead. that he's only got four rides left in his NASCAR career at this point, right? Like, like all or nothing, right? All or nothing. Like, yeah. it's all or nothing. So he's going to race harder. Do you not agree with that narrative that maybe he, he, he could be a sneaky GPP play just to put in there that no one else will play low own that he could just be like, you know what? Screw everyone. I'm going to put the met, you know, the pedal to the metal and do the best I can to show everyone that I am a good driver and the Wood Brothers should love me. Yeah, I mean, there's been that narrative, right? But the question is, it hasn't done anything. So how long can we keep writing that narrative? Um, All right, fair enough. I'm just, I mean, I'm just desperation does does provide some ability to play the Benedetto. But at some point, the narrative streak for him has to run out, right? Like, so so GPP play like we're doing um, one at like Martin Turex, right? One of ten, throw him in there. Yeah, I mean, you know, if he has a repeat of last year, yeah, which could happen. Which it could was, happen. He was very impressive last year. In the same package. Happen. But the guy who's starting just behind him in the starting grid, Austin Dillon, is a guy that I'm more interested in this week. All right, explain. Uh, he won here last year. He did? He did. Well, 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 he, he did. But it was, yeah, it was a un, it, it was a caution that was out of nowhere that could have prevented that from happening. But yeah, okay. Well, okay. Right. But, you know, it's like saying, okay, Bubba Wallace won, but it was a rain shortened, right? Like, the race okay. I'm only saying that because Blaney was in first at the time. But, yeah, it's okay. Yeah. Okay, so we're bitter. <laughs> bitter. I got it. Um, but, uh, you know, Austin Dillon also has finished in the top 15 all five times in the last five races here. Okay. Austin Dillon True. has nine top 15 finishes in the last 10 mile and a half races. He's got a better average finish than De Benedetto. He's just generally been in a faster car this year than De Benedetto. Um, yeah. He's also proven that he moves forward in PD in the last five races here. His average PD is 7.2 spots a race. So starting 15th. 15th, yeah. And then finishing in the top 10 on average is, you know, so I'm, I'm probably more inclined to play Austin Dillon than Matt DiBenedetto at this point. I mean, DiBenedetto's been trying to prove himself for three years now and hasn't done it. And that could be why he's out of a ride, right? (laughs) That's <laughs> entirely why he's out of the ride. Plus, he also doesn't have sponsorship. So, all right, he's I not- lock Austin Dillon. So, as we're talking, I'm making a lineup as you're giving me this thing. So, um, let's talk about some other players. We got to fill this lineup out so I can tell everybody. Um, obviously, Blaney's in it and Logano, and now Austin Dillon has joined the the conversation here. Um, okay, so let's go with your boy. Uh, Eric Jones, you have him ranked here. I'm looking at your rankings here or your track breakdown. Well, I haven't tweaked those yet. Okay. Eric Jones. He's been good at Texas. Yes. I don't know if I could do it once again, but should we play Eric Jones? 
So it seemed like the way we've dealt with Eric Jones this year is you got to play him at tracks that he's comfortable at, right? Because we know that when he's comfortable, he produces good finishes regardless of the equipment he's in. And let's not forget the equipment's pretty decent, right? It's not like the 43 car is a backwater no. car. Anymore. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, pretty yeah. decent, right? So he's starting 21st. He's 6600 bucks on DK, 6000 on FanDuel. He's posted four top tens in the last five races here. Now, keep in mind, basically all of those were in JGR equipment, right? Um, which is decidedly better than the 43 car. However, this year, when we have played Eric Jones at tracks that he's comfortable at, it has we have reaped the rewards. For that. So he is back on my watch list this week. And it's not just because it's Eric Jones. Well, <laughs> it's because we've now done this several times this year and played him at tracks where he's been comfortable and he's produced basically every single time. So, okay. yeah, he will be he will be uh, in there. I think he's cash viable. Um certainly gpp viable but i mean if we look at the guys below him in salaries it's pretty hard to go with any more than like one or two of those guys oh, okay here, here we go you got chris busher bubba wallace cole custer ryan priest michael mcdowell Corey lajoy anthony alfredo aka fast pasta and then you got AKA the, the guy people. that can't drive and then you got everyone else who you don't normally play unless it's a super speedway so um yeah, so Bubba Wallace, no, right? Not good here. Not good at intermediates. Chris I Buescher. Mean, yeah, generally. Yeah, so Eric Jones is probably the lowest salary you could possibly go um, this week. Is what I, I mean, the say. problem with Buescher is his starting spot. Yeah, exactly. He's starting 10th. Yeah, there's no way I'm I'm touching that. So I it's think Eric... pretty hard to because in order to hit value, basically holds his spot. He hits value, but here's the question: Is he going to hold that spot? No, not a chance. Um, er- Probably not. Eric Jones is the lowest salary I would start or play in any lineup this week. I'm just gonna put it out there um, at sixty six or six thousand on Fanduel, and below that, I wouldn't even touch anybody else so there's kind of like the lowest value play and there's some of the ones right, there that you have michael mcdowell i mean I'm not. maybe but he's starting 16th so that's no not not to not touching not touching that um right so i'm that's... trying to ma- i'm trying to make a good jpp lineup for everyone and, and it, it, it's it's kind of hard right now it's very um, tight pricing this week from draft it is it's very tight um you know what? i gotta put kurt bush in there because you mentioned him so i'm gonna put kurt bush in there right now i'm doing it for everybody as we're talking i know it's a long podcast this week but we're having a, a lot of fun i don't care so i got 8600 left out that was with keselowski who i said i'm not touching so here we go Christopher Bell, just give me a yes or no. Christopher Bell. Um, no. Eric Amarola, starting 20 seconds. GPP. God. Oh, or so... Chase Briscoe, right below him. Chase Briscoe. Probably not. He's sleep deprived. <laughs> Tyler Reddick. You, you like Tyler Reddick this week, I think. 
I do like Tyler Reddick. I mean, if I like Austin Dillon, there's really zero reason not to like Tyler Reddick because they're in identical cars. Reddick nearly beat his teammate in that race last year. Reddick's been sneaky quick on intermediates. Um, yeah, I mean, I I like Tyler Reddick this week. He's also rolling off. I mean, he's rolling off ninth. Yeah, that's kind of tough for me. But but for a GPP, that's fine because he has the ability to hold that spot. We've seen him reel off top 10 finishes at intermediates this year. So he's in the running. Not 100% yet. Would I rather play Austin Dillon? Probably over Tyler. All right. Well, here's a lineup based on our podcast. Here's, here's a lineup that I created. That's a GPP lineup. Ryan Blaney, Denny Hamlin, Austin Dillon, Eric Jones, Kurt Busch, and Tyler Reddick. That's a pretty good lineup. That's a GPP lineup right there. 100 remaining salary left. And that was pushing up. I could have spent less for Logano, but I, I had the salary to go up to Hamlin from Logano. So you could go either way there. That's kind of a either play Hamlin or Logano in the in that spot, you can maybe do two lineups to switch that around, but I like that lineup. But you know what? I'm going to plug it in right now. Enter. Boom. And that's what we decided. There you go. Set it and forget it. Like Rom there, there it is. So uh, I think that'll pretty well cover it. Um, An hour know, later. <laughs> yeah. Strategy notes. You can find them in the track breakdown. Um, Dan should have uh, Xfinity. Um, and uh, truck coverage this week without an issue. Um, so not, you know, not going to speak for him when his stuff will be out, but it'll be out in plenty of time for those races. Um, DFS rankings and projections for cup will be out on Friday. Uh, you will also see the playbook out on Saturday, uh, and core plays will be out on Sunday for the cup race as well as, you know, anybody fails tech inspection. We'll have that covered too. Um, but yeah, any final thoughts there from, from you, Mr. Rouse. Well, I think we we gave everyone all the DFS stuff they wanted. Let's nerd out for two more minutes because why not? Um, Next gen cars. They raced at the Roval this week. They how do you did. feel? They did. How do you we feel s- about that? We skipped what? right over the twenty something car test that they had at the. Yeah, Roval. but we we had to give the people what they want, and that's what they wanted was DFS. You know. Uh, analysis and I gave him a lineup based on what we talked about. So now let's talk about the next gen cars because that's the most important thing that we got to talk about for next year, right? So let's let's put this out there. One, I've been a bigger proponent of sliding the numbers forward than almost anybody else in I like it. it I think it's cool. I like it. Um the Kurt Busch like announcement car that didn't have any <laughs> uh, sponsorship on it made it look really stupid. But when you see it with actual like sponsor paint on it it looks you like you can easily see why they did it because now you can yeah. sell an entire side of the car basically, which makes that spot more valuable. You can bring in more money and you can still see the numbers just fine. People don't freak out. Yeah. They're going to be um, like Chrome and like, 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 uh, yes, they allow Chrome back in certain situations, yeah, which is so pretty sweet. They're going to be um, bright. Trust me. You'll see it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the cars, I mean, they are, I think, a, a perfect in-between spot of what we have now and what we had, like, let's say, mm, uh, I'd say about 10 years ago. 
right? Mm-hmm. When because everybody clamors for the cars that were like in the mid '90s when the racing was apparently like was as good as it would get for you know NASCAR historians out there. But then the problem is everybody complained that air got up under the cars and they all went airborne and it wasn't safe and all that. So they lowered the car and then the racing suffers because the cars are stuck to the track. And so, like, there's this whole back and forth with fans that we can't really get into so we don't have (laughs) enough time. But let me just (laughs) say this. The ride height on those cars looked really nice. I agree. Um, Their 670 horsepower is the base package. Um, there's apparently some tweaks that'll happen to that depending on the style of track that they're on from week to week. But generally speaking, it's about 670 horsepower, which is closer to the 750 that we wanted. Um, but it's also closer to like, you know, the whole point of this is to make them look like they're stock, like be closer to what you can actually buy from a dealership. Um, and in that regard, I, I like it. The one thing I'm not sold on yet is the single lug wheel. It's like an F1 approach mm-hmm. to the wheels. Mm-hmm. I get why they did it. They bumped the wheels up to 18 inches. Mm-hmm. Safety-wise, you cannot have the, the smaller lugs safely holding that big of a wheel at that speed. It just wasn't going to work. So the single lug, I get it for safety reasons. It also means that you're basically equalizing the pit crews again because now... you just screw on one lug, right? You don't have, it's not going to come down to who has the fastest gun in the West, so to speak, uh, on on pit road there. It's just the one. And guys spend more time on the track, which is what people are actually paying for, not to see really fast strategic pit stops. Um, That's going to help Ryan Blaney because his pit crew stinks. (laughs) It's going to help a lot of people because their pit crews are not exactly top notch. Um, so, you know, generally speaking, I liked how they were running. It's a little hard to gauge it on a road course because you're not going to get into pack side by side situations, um, as much. Those are apparently those tests are continuing to, to happen later on, but I thought it was a pretty good showing for the next gen car. It answered several questions that a bunch of fans had. Um, there are still people that say it sounds like a farting hippo and whatever. Now you're just it, complaining. It kind of does. It. Yeah. But, but, but you don't hear that when you're watching on TV. I mean, come on. And it makes a lot to do with DFS because next year they're going to be running these things. It's going to change everything. Right. Yeah. So, so there you go. It's also helped because they're basically plug and play parts. The bodies aren't going to get quite as wrecked. Um, be more like Xfinity, where you could do a little bit more bumping and banging, and a little bit more well, to make for better racing ball, too. Yeah, um, without you know cutting down a tire and whatever. So, I think all in all, it's a pretty good step forward for NASCAR. Um, I've not like the only package I don't like right now is the 551. I think that one has a problem. I like the 750; they just don't run it enough. Yeah, I um, agree. But we're never going to go back to what it was in the mid in the mid nineties. There's way too many safety concerns with those cars that they're just <laughs> never going to go. They're just, just never going to go back. Just a little bit, yeah. <laughs> I mean, those cars took off like once a week, um, like they yeah. were 
and that's just not <laughs> that's not good for anybody. So, although Logano tried that earlier this year, but yeah, that did. he did, he did. <laughs> Darn, still, still worked. So, um, we'll see. But with that, we'll uh, wrap up this longer version of the NASCAR podcast. Hey, we we had to. That's a very important thing about NASCAR, and we talked about the DFS. And when I'm on, I'm I'm a NASCAR nerd, and I, I want to learn everything I can about from you, Matt Sells. So uh, sorry for being longer, but for all you nerds, uh, NASCAR is still out there. Thanks for listening, and uh, thanks for having me on. And uh, go Ryan Blaney. Yeah, this might actually be the third week that he gets a win, you know. So with that, we will say good luck, FA Nation, uh, and we'll see you in the green.